0: So I hope you have enjoyed the walking meditation, and I think this this style of walking meditation encapsulates for me very much how I understand practice. It's about slowing down, if that's possible, and you know being aware of what is going on in yourself, but at the same time also being aware of what is going on around you. So not completely destroying within yourself and becoming oblivious to what's going around on around you. It's very important, you know, to have a sense of what's happening just in front of you. Because I think there's quite a misunderstanding sometimes about meditation being kind of a very selfish thing of just you know wanting to uh, you know be you not know, disturbed by circumstances and just wanting to deeply understand oneself. But in reality, if that's not connected with what is going on around you, it, it won't go very far, because it will become a self-obsession and it will not lead to the fruits, the true fruits of the practice, which is, is a mind which is very much open to whatever is arising. And for example, walking in this way, we have to be like sense, even if you might be able to hear the bell because I ring it in the other room, but kind of you are connected in with what's happening in front of you, so you're stopping in time, not to bump into the person in front of you. It's a very important skill to develop in life, and I think it makes life much easier, and it brings a sense of uh, gentleness into your life, and a sense of uh, connectedness with what's going on around you. And a sense of uh, of doing the right thing, of respecting the bigger picture. And for me, like Dharma practice is all about understanding the bigger picture and weaning off one's addiction to to one's own uh, thinking mind and through the neurosis, really, which we have been cultivating over many, many years since we are born, basically. So, it's it's all geared towards letting go of our addiction with, with the way how we see things. And moving into a space of uh, truths which we all share together. And we can all meet together in this space of awareness and mindfulness. Every time and if, we, if we're letting go of identification with our personal patterns of interpreting experience, then we all meet in that space of awareness which is free from all interpretations, which takes in experience just intuitively, directly as it is, you know, looking at a tree, we don't have to think about you know the leaves and the roots and the, you know all of the different words you can say about trees, but you can just stand there and just you know, be with the tree without anything between you and the tree which means you we are just aware of it beyond words and that's you know what we are speaking about when we are speaking about intuitive awareness or mindfulness it's like being with the raising sun without uh, interpreting them on top of what they already are through their pure being and because we are also pure being, we can connect on that level with anything, you know, with a stone, with a dog, with a house, you know, with anything. We can connect on in that way. And as you probably know, you know, most of the, the great works of art and the great insights into science, always if there's something new has come through to us, which Know, is often conceived as something very elegant, something very, very beautiful, something very deeply touching. That comes from that state of mind, you know. It doesn't come from the thinking mind. It comes directly from something much bigger than that. And we all can meet in that every moment if we are snapping out of the thinking mind. But not through rejecting it, but through turning towards it, rather. This is very important. Because if we want to escape into transcendence, we are again in a tr- in a model. Because then we, we are forcing and we are disconnecting from the way things are in the conditioned realm. And then again, uh, there is no real um, fruit of practice. There's just like an escape and it will catch up with us sooner or later. If you want to negate, that we have a body and that we are living in the conventional world where we have to, you know, do things in order to to live basically and in order to look after this body is a pretty really complicated affair. You know, because we all wouldn't need to have a job, a house, a car, clothes, a doctor, food. If you wouldn't have a body, we just wouldn't have all of this. It would be, it it sounds to me it would be more simple. I'm not sure. But it could, I think it could be, but it's not, it's not, it isn't like that. So we have this uh, learning curve in this life that we have a body and we're going to uh, have to look after it. And that entails a lot of, lot of uh, implications. And, you know, if you're born into another of the six realms of existence, then it will, a different learning curve you have to take but we have this one and that's what we have got and this is what we have to deal with and one of the um, you know laws of nature which are working in this rhyme is that over a lifetime you know all of the feelings and all of the Underchested experiences, they can get somehow stored in our in our bodies, and then when some triggers arise in our life situations, they you know our buttons get pressed, and then certain emotions you know start to kind of bubble up. Sometimes they can be very very powerful. Sometimes they are less powerful. So, for example, if we if we wanna escape the body, if we don't wanna you know, deal with the situation. It's actually not possible because we can fool ourselves, you know, for a certain amount of time and suppress, you know, certain stu- certain feelings, suppress certain things, not looking at them, but they catch up with us sooner or later, and then they it can become, you know, kind of, of a a problem, so to say, you know, because it's it's um, it's making. Making it difficult for us to, to be in the present moment because they might be sometimes so strong these emotions that they completely overwhelm us, completely you know pull us into identification, and there's no more space of, for being aware of it. So if that's something you know you experience in your life, then that's just a normal thing for human beings, you know, until they hit. A certain level in their history, you know, where they start to get interested in all of this, where they notice that running away from all of this is not working. Once, and I guess you know, all of you coming here, you have all somehow at least intuited that there's something uh, more than just um, what meets the eye. That there's some some kind of uh, I say, I don't have a better word at the moment, I call it duty, you know, of being a human being. There's some reason why we have got that situation. And there's something, but there's a bigger picture for all of this. I think, and once, once you know, we, we get a glimpse of that through meeting people who who have seen that to a certain extent and who communicate that, even, you know, without words, just to trust their being, then I think it gets can get very interesting if we have the courage to open up to that fact. It's definitely what happened to you know, me when I met my first teacher. And, you know, opening up to a world which is much bigger than, than just what our ego tells us. Me, me, opening up to a much bigger picture, which we can call, call the Dhamma or, or the truth. And starting to, you know, get an inkling about that all of this is a way of, uh, you know, trial and error really of learning. You know, being a human being is, is, is here for learning and for opening up and for developing wisdom and and compassion, but not through kind of you know sitting down and kind of thinking about everything because we can't really solve the problem of the thinking mind on the same level as the thinking mind itself. You have to rise above it. You know, whenever you're becoming aware of certain things in your life, it's always, you know, once you have stepped out of it, for example, you know Making a trip in another country with a radically different culture suddenly you notice hey you know i'm doing the, I'm doing things in a certain way and I think that's the only way to do it but actually these people they do it very they do it differently and it also works so that's when we are stepping out of a certain paradigm and we get a perspective on, on what we are doing and uh, the practice is exactly a tool which is geared towards that. You know, through through sitting and, uh, for example, you know, making a, a decision that for this uh, 40 minutes, I only want to watch the body bracing. Of course, you're not succeeding in it. But, in, you know, through the decision of doing it, you, you suddenly, you, you make a, you put a mirror up, or you put a, a backdrop up, and then against that, You suddenly notice what is actually happening. If you wouldn't have put up that backdrop, you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually be aware because if people who are completely identified with their thinking mind, they are not aware actually of the impermanence and of the constant arising and ceasing of thoughts. It needs, it needs a still point that we can identify movement. So that's, You know, that's the first step to just getting to know the thinking man and getting to know the the craziness of the thinking man. And it is totally, it masks as being a rational tool, but actually it's very irrational. And it's most, I mean, mostly it can be only rationalizing, really. But really rational, what is that actually? Because it's kind of, it's a concept. And... Once we have to, we have gotten to know the sinking mind, to a certain extent, at least you know, being seeing the volatility of the thinking mind, and that complete, uh, you know, that's so different for everybody, and all of those things. Once and how dependent it is on the early childhood scenario, our psychological makeup is, is determined then, and then at the same time, you know, what we come into this life with, certain kind of uh, already and then the next point would be you know, our cultural conditioning then in what kind of a, you know um, time we have been born if we've been born in the 50s and we've been born in the 70s all of those things they all determine you know how our thinking mind works so it's a, it's a bundle of conditioning and because it has been created it can be uncreated that's for sure and then once we have, you know, have seen, we have kind of uh, been able to let go with the, with the identification and fascination with the thinking man to a certain extent, then you know, there's suddenly there's more space. We, might, and we still think the same things, but we think maybe it's actually not true. There's a bit more space suddenly. That's wonderful, that's the first step. You know, then there is is uh, there is you know a few cracks in the in the container, and the light comes through. So that's great. When when we once we are there, then that you know that uh, the whole life will turn with that insight. Because then you know you have an inkling that there's a path. And, and even you, you can't see the end of it, you just have reading books and you, you, you don't understand it because it, it's only a pointer. But at least you know, you know there's somewhere to go and there's a path and there's a few people you who know, have done it in the past and there's some doing it now and there's information available and it's enough, you know. Then there's, there's kind of this certainty that something can be done about this about this, you know, narrow way of being and, and being suffering and all of the emotions and everything. So once we know that then there's a bit of space and then, because we have a bit of space, we we can actually become aware how we are reacting to what the thinking mind is telling us. Our own attitude. And attitude of the heart, basically, you know, when this or that emotion arises we can see we are you know, um, turning away from it, we are contracting away from it or we are running after it. And we might not be able yet, you know, to kind of very much uh, come to an equilibrium necessarily and not following it, but at least, to a certain extent, we know what we're doing. That's that's the next step, you know, becoming aware of our karmic momentum. And some people are more angry, others are more kind of lustful or greedy, or there's different, you know, uh tastes also of, of characters and it doesn't really matter I and mean, kind of basically it's 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 just uh, it's all conditioning and it can all it all can be unbound through the application of mindfulness so that's the next step becoming aware of our the attitude of our karmic uh, momentum really. And once we have seen that, there's even more space because it will become easier to not identify with what is arising. But I don't mean, you know, like in a cold-hearted way, in a way like not wanting to be bothered, but rather being able to contain the energetic currents, you know, which are racing through the body sometimes, you know, like a, a thunderstorm or whatever and being able to hold with, still with it. Not, you know, not acting on it, not acting it out in order to relieve ourselves of that pain, of that um, insecurity, which we feel, you know, if we have a strong emotional thing going on. Feeling very vulnerable and and feeling uh, kind of very uncentered and kind of just wanting to get rid of it. And instead of doing that, becoming aware of that, wanting to get rid of it. Which is a complete normal thing. you know. But noticing that there's actually a choice here. We can as well hold with it. And through that very holding of that energy and awareness, we free up the energy from that predicament, you know, which has been conditioned. The energy has been through strong experiences, maybe like early childhood experiences, when we didn't understand what was going on. You know, certain certain kind of circuits were laid down in our energetic system, which through awareness we can free them up. But it can can be a bit scary, you know, in the beginning when we are taking it all so personal. So that's the that's the next step. You know, again, you know, creating even more space around it. We not only see it's pretty crazy what's going on, and it's it's not rational, and it's impermanent. But then we also see actually, you know, my whole system doesn't want to be with this or my whole system doesn't want to go let let go of this because my whole system is conditioned in a way that it thinks, this is what is me, you know, this kind of energetic uh, way of being. And And to let go of it, to not act in that way, requires, you know, be centered and it requires courage and it requires mindfulness so once that has been um, cracked a little bit you know that we have maybe succeeded a few times not acting out something really strong and then we have been able to witness the ceasing of it then we suddenly said wow it is really possible and i don't have to act on every whim or a- every feeling I have. I can just hold with it, and it, it does really cease because impermanence is one of the three you know, characteristics of existence, is a law of nature. I don't have to do anything. I can just lean back and let that work for me. So that's, once that is really understood as an insight, when we have, once we have made it part of our whole being, you know not just kind of reading it in a book or even you know hearing it from somebody but having it fully experienced it that's it that's the proof then it can be repeated again and again and again because there's no more doubt in the mind that this is possible so then more space is created so it's it's all about you know creating more and more space in, in awareness which is actually you know limitless and ever expanding as i said yesterday but you know through, through our identification with habitual patterns we have built up millions of walls within this unlimited space and through being able to hold with experience and not giving into it if it's not skillful we can actually through through the dissolving power of awareness we're going to take these walls down you know and we have to just start here just the ones next to us and then we go more and more and the mind of a buddha is a mind where there's no walls basically it's just totally open and then of course if he has to buy a train ticket which he might have then he can still do that you know he just can of course use the thinking mind to do things because if we have a body, we need to do things in order to eat and do all things. And that's, there's nothing bad about it, but it's not anymore coming from um, fear or from you know, hatred or from lust or from greed. It's just coming, it's a necessity, having a body, you have to eat, you have to have clothes and things, and it's normal. There's nothing kind of mysterious about that. So, you know, becoming aware of awareness means, you know, becoming aware there is something which is much, much bigger than just this body. And we can connect with with that awareness every time when we are, you know, opening the mind by letting go of thinking and then we are resting in that spaciousness which intuitively, you know, is knowing what's going on, but it's not thinking about it. So that would be the next step. First, we becoming aware like of the craziness of the thinking man, that it is not rational, that it is completely conditioned. After that, we, we become aware of the attitude of how we are responding to the thinking man emotions and all of that and also I don't want to say on you know, emotions they do have information for us you know whenever there's a strong emotion coming up like anger or lust or greed there is some information in that emotion but it's about you know extracting the information from the emotion without drowning in it because it's you know if I'm for example and I'm seeing something I really like to have maybe it's really something I could could be useful for my life, you know. But then if I go and kill for that, that would be drowning in the emotion. But if I notice, I really want to have it. And then I just, you know, make a plan how I can maybe get it in a legal way. And if I can't get it, then I just don't have it, you know. And I downsize a little bit and do do something which also, you know, is supportive for my life, but maybe is less, precious and I can afford to kind of get it or something like that. So emotions are not, emotions are like exaggerating, you know, a truth to an extent which, you know, as you can see the whole, our whole planet seems to be, you know, being a very, very um, sad state right now because of people you know completely identifying with their emotions thinking that they have to you know rip every last resource out of this earth in order to have a happy life but it doesn't work we know that so that was the next phase you know the 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 recognition of that there is awareness And then, you know, the last of, of, of those four steps would be resting as awareness itself, being awareness, because this is the true nature of our minds and everything, you know, our body, my body, and your bodies, and, and everything else, the whole cosmos, actually is in awareness, arising and ceasing. And a Buddha is constantly resting as awareness, And that would be you know after all the walls have been taken down, after all the waves have been pierced, after all of that has been completely let go of, that's what is always already here, now and forever. Awareness as, as a space of uh, direct knowing of the way things are. And that's that's like a way how how to express you know the, the, the path and and we have to start where we are, and it all starts with turning towards that which we don't want. I don't mean you know going out to look for trouble. It's just whatever happens, you know, in your life is enough. I think it is, we are not leaning into experience and you know, seeking for something, we can just be where we are and being here and see what comes to us and deal with that. That's good enough. It's sometimes hard enough anyway. I think. And and for example, you know, uh, the fear of of experience, which makes us turn away. The fear has its roots in aversion. And the word aversion is very interesting, comes from the Latin word verto, which means to turn away. It's the same root as in the word vertical, you know, not being able to take it in, getting really kind of dizzy because, uh, you know, the mind is just racing and kind of producing, perceptions of future pain and you know, which might come so it doesn't wanna it doesn't want to open up because it's just thinking about everything in the whole universe which was go wrong you know but we don't have to believe it really and we can just let it let it just like a, like a, a tape you know let it do it's it's uh, music or whatever it wants to do just let it but nevertheless just sit there and take it in but not not taking it in in a way of kind of believing it but just let it come in here and out here you know because whenever we interrupt this flow of impermanence it's like you know uh, it's like water and ice when we interrupt the flow through attaching by either wanting or not wanting we interrupt the flow and we freeze in that space and that's Painful. So anytime you know, we can actually reconnect with awareness, which means with this much bigger space where the walls are not up, then the stream is just flowing through it and we can just watch it. And then whenever there's like a fear, a hope, uh, whatever coming up is like kind of stopping again the flow and just kind of freezing in time. And that's painful. Because then because the, the flow is, is kind of then pushing against us because we are there like a you know like a barrier. That's what the ego is. But it can be you know, it can be punctuated through insight more and more and more and more until it just collapses, you know. And that's what the practice is all about. Kind of looking into that frozen experience and not turning away from it, because then we are just making more out of it. Just turning towards it, not turning away from it, opening to it, and just, it's all about feeling, feeling that, you know, taking in that, uh, the energetic uh, manifestation of of whatever is arising. Because this is what we don't want. This is where we go out, you know, shopping, drinking, smoking, uh, anything. Up to destroying the whole planet because we think like if we have just this one more or this one more, then we'd be able to, you know, be happy. But of course, it doesn't work. So, I think this is like the, you know, that's that's where it all meets, it all converges. Dhamma converges all, it converges all on feeling, on our ability to feel, to sense, you know, to tolerate, to open up. And it's, it's, it's very, very simple, really. It's a very bodily experience. And because it's so simple, you know, it, it, it escapes most people. Because, you know, in, in this culture, which is very intellectual, we always think something of value must be complex and very complicated. It's not. And this is why it's very difficult for our minds who are so overly stimulated to settle for something simple. You know? This is why we train the mind to stay with something as boring as the breath, because so that you know, we, we get the mind to come down from that enormous kind of a speed and excitement to attend to something very, very simple, because that's where the... Where the um, that's all happening, you know the transformation. Is isn't that simplicity of just being with what is here and now. And I, I don't want to say it's easy for me, it's also not easy. But you know, I don't have any doubts that this is the thing to do. So whenever I notice, you know, I'm again kind of, you know, already ten years in the future in order to make it all safe for myself. I come back and because I know, if I want to take care of the future, I have to take care of the present first, you know. If you take very well care of the present moment, you take care of the future at the same time. That's the secret, really. If you're already always in the future, when really we can do something, it's, it's now, it's in the present. That's, you know, something we can't consider often enough. And every time, you know, when we notice we have got caught up in, in in thinking, just simply coming back to the present moment by connecting with the body breathing. Or there's also many other ways, you know, many other technologies which have been developed in the Pali scriptures. We have 40 different ways. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that we decide for one or two or three even and then uh, apply them in our life. Because if we just study the whole scripture and we know everything and we don't do it, it's not going to help. It's just like another distraction from what really is going on. And the Dhamma, you know, how it's expressed in the million books you can buy, buy nowadays. I mean, you could distract yourself for another 10 lifetimes, you know, studying the Dhamma, really. So it's, it's just, you know, getting enough information and then doing it. And then sometimes when you go really flat, taking in a little bit more information for inspiration, that's, that's a good thing. But really knowing when to stop and, and to really do it. That's the most important thing. And that's the most difficult one, because reading a book is quite simple and can be intellectually very satisfying, you know. And that's not good enough, that's not enough. And anything else that I want to say? Yeah, because like in about 12 minutes or so we're going to ring the bell and it will be the end of the morning session and you will all go out to have something to eat. And I suggest, you know, if, if you can handle it. Just keep noble silence for this for the lunch break and and go off on your own or you can go together but just not you know like kind of distracting yourself very much and just trying to really going out, putting on your shoes, you know, go down in the elevator and and show something and just trying to really stay with the body and and you know, becoming aware how, how this scene out there for example, how it it, it sucks sucks on you, basically. It sucks you into all different uh, things. You know, this information and that information, this offer and that offer, this set and that smell and that sound. And just become aware of it. It is a very good opportunity today. And it's not that there's anything bad about it or wrong. It's just about becoming aware of that this is what is happening. This is what it is, you know, to be a human being not enlightened yet. And this is what it is, you know, to have a psychological and cultural personality which hooks up with all of those things because they are still unresolved within the system. And just becoming aware of the situation, that's that's enough. We don't have to do more than that. Just the ability to hold that in awareness, that's what is transforming it, which is, this is creating space and this is um, a way how we can, uh, you know, make more and more wise choices in our lives. Choices which support freedom rather than bondage, you know, to conditions. And I think that's what you all want because I don't think otherwise you would have come here today because you have noticed that there's a certain <laughs> element of uh, stress. That's exactly what is true. There is more or less stress in people's lives depending on on the spaciousness they have been able to cultivate in their their practice. And everybody can do that, but everybody has to, you know, start where they are. They can't start, you know, already where somebody else is. Even it looks so good, but who knows if it's really that good if you're in that, that person's shoes. So don't judge, you know, just what you see, just look here, because that's the only way to start. And who knows, you know, we don't know what kind of a past life cultivation we have all done. Sometimes it can go very fast, sometimes it can go very slow, and sometimes, you know, it goes, in fits and starts. It doesn't really matter, because you have to work with what you have got. There's no other choice. And as soon as you get started, the earlier it has some fruits of the practice. So, you know, kind of, uh, it's not that in English, to kind of, you know, pitying yourself how difficult your life is and everything, it's a waste of time, really. I mean, you're welcome to do it if you can't resist (laughs) it, but it won't (laughs) help. It's better to be aware of it, you know. Be aware of that. And take that as a a very incentive, you know, for for getting started, really. Because you all sense that there's something possible, there's something bigger possible, and that's where we all meet in that recognition.